0: From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 24th, 2024, from South Carolina Public Radio studios here in Columbia. That's right, folks, we're back, and we're bringing you a bonus episode. Thank you. You're welcome. I don't stop working. But this is a short New Hampshire Aftermath pod for y'all. Former President Donald Trump won the New Hampshire Republican presidential primary, followed by former Governor Nikki Haley. We look at the numbers hear from voters, the candidates, and get some analysis from Rob Godfrey. We taped that portion at Reagan Washington National Airport. So uh, on location, guys. Actually, that was like last-minute thing. I said, how that that? Let me put this mic in front of your face. Now the lead wants to put a different mic in front of your face by you calling us at 803-563-7169. And take that mic out of your pocket that's always listening and leave us a voicemail. We'd love hearing from you guys. Let us know what's on your mind. 803-563-7169. Any predictions, hot takes, Super Bowl picks, more air fryer recipes. I'm glad I'm back. I have to use my air fryer again. It's exciting. 803-563-769. Also, I forgot to mention that we have a survey. If you guys don't want to leave us a message at our voicemail box, Fill out the survey on southcarolinapublicradio.org slash lead survey. I'm being told in my ear that's correct. southcarolinapublicradio.org slash lead survey. Fill out a couple questions. Let us know what we're doing well, what we're not doing so hot on. Uh, Anything. Let us know. We love that. We need that. Pick a state. I'll go there. Hawaii. Make it Hawaii. And you can always find out more about the South Carolina primary, which is coming up February 24th. That's right, folks, all eyes on South Carolina. We have the latest news from the trail and more at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and SCETV.org slash SC2024, your home for campaign 2024 coverage. Before we get into the he said, she said portion of the pod, I want to bring you some voices from the folks I talked with on the trail who are out to vote on Tuesday. So let's start at an event at Franklin Pierce University, where I spoke with Lori Lintner about how she planned to vote. She is an undeclared voter, one of those independent voters that make up 40% of the electorate in New Hampshire and who turned out big for Haley. Now I'll let Lori explain this and her political perspectives.
1: I am undeclared. So I'm probably um, what's the word? Uh, I'm unique. I'm, um, yeah. I go with what what makes sense to me. Um, I don't need to say I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. I have my own beliefs, and what works for me um, is how I vote. I voted for Biden. I won't be I won't be voting for Biden again. I didn't care for Trump. He's a bully. I don't care. I just. I don't care for him. Now I see Biden, and it's just, we need something
0: new. CNN reports that exit polling found voters who registered as Republicans broke heavily for Trump, with roughly three-quarters favoring him. Now voters registered as undeclared, like we just heard from Lori, favored Haley by a wide, if less overwhelming, margin, with about two-thirds backing her. Again, independents are going to be huge come November. Something to watch and, again, blinking red light here for Republicans. Outside of the Bedford High School polling location, I spoke with several Trump voters, including Chris Ware.
1: Um, I mean, you just look back, you know, three and a half years ago, I mean, we were in some such a better place. Um, inflation was next to nil, 2% where we won it. Uh, border was secure, which I think is the most important thing. Um, I mean, inflation and... Um, that is, is bad, but what's happening on the border is evil. I mean, what, what we're seeing fentanyl come across the border, uh, killing hundreds of thousands of Americans. Uh, we're seeing um, child trafficking, which is just pure evil. So uh, we need to get it back to the way it was when Trump was here. And why not Nikki Haley? What was the difference between the two of them? Um, I, I just think Nikki's... Um, we, we got a lot of uh, publications, a lot of literature from Nikki. And so I think she's got some really deep pockets. And I think some of the deep pockets are on the Democratic side. I think they're kind of seeing that she might be an alternative to Biden um, if they think Biden can't win. Um, so I think, I think that she's getting a lot of money from the, uh, the other side at this point. Nothing wrong with Nikki. Um, if she is the nominee, I'll support her, obviously, as a Republican. But, uh, but i much prefer to see Trump.
0: Anna Walker, also a Trump voter, said she liked things better under Trump as well.
1: Yeah, really the
0: main reason for me voting for Trump was economics, because I feel like when he was in office, things were so much better and more affordable. And even though my family's not struggling as much as others, so I do feel very blessed, I can still see how it's affecting us and everyone else. So really, for me, it's like, I'd like to see things get back to how they were a couple years before. Do you worry about any of the indictments or anything like that? Not really. If anything, it kind of makes me wonder why they're coming at him stronger than others. yeah, I think there's a lot of corruption in politics, so it's hard to see. I don't think he's a perfect guy by any means at all, but um, I think the main thing is just getting America back on track. Mm-hmm. And what about also Mickey Haley? Did you give her any consideration or what we thought? Yeah, I watched her in the debates. Um, she was not as compelling to me as the other candidates. I would have voted for a few of the others before Trump, but ultimately when it came down to her
1: and Trump, I leaned towards him.
0: Marianne Carp, another undeclared voter who changed to Republican, voted for Haley.
1: One of the reasons is that I think he is involved in too much chaos. Um, With all of the court issues coming up, um, January 6th is still very strong in my mind. That was very frightening. I'm 87 years old and I've never lived through something like that. Um, And I think he's too old.
0: You heard Marianne using a lot of key lines from Haley there with chaos and age, which you've heard her talk about before. But now let's get to the candidates. Haley started Tuesday off by sweeping all six votes at Dixville Notch that were cast at midnight. Ooh, midnight voting. So cool, it's like night skiing. Now I did not make it up to that northern tip, northern tip of New Hampshire, because it was four hours away and I was not gonna go watch six people vote. Anyway, if you're a big West Wing fan, it's very reminiscent of that Hartsfield landing episode, so people like to romanticize the nature of it all, blah, blah, blah. Again, four hours one way, not doing it on election night. But as the results started coming in after polls closed around seven, and all of them closed at eight, Trump steadily grew his margin, and while final results are still being tabulated with 95% reporting, it's Trump at 54% and Nikki Haley at 43%, so that 11-point margin right there, which is still better than that 19 points that the polls were kind of averaging right before the primary itself, and better than Trump's own prediction of a 20-plus point route, but still outside of that single-digit margin that folks were watching for for Haley. Now, former President Donald Trump won the 1st of the nation Republican presidential primary amid record turnout in the Granite State. However, his margin wasn't as large as polls had predicted, like we just said, due mainly to the overwhelming turnout of undeclared voters, like we heard from Lori and Marianne, who went Republican in support of former governor Nikki Haley. Now, that's a key demographic that Haley was banking on to make the race competitive, though that demographic doesn't really exist in such a capacity in South Carolina. But let's not ruin the next four weeks just yet. Okay. So let's start off at Trump's victory party, where the majority of his winding speech focused on Haley, to the point where it didn't sound like he was victorious. Take a listen.
2: She was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. And, you know, last, last week we had a little bit of a problem. And if you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she... Pretended she won Iowa. And I looked around. I said, didn't she come in third? Yeah, she came in third. We've won almost every single poll in the last three months against Crooked Joe Biden. Almost every poll. And she doesn't win those polls. And she doesn't win those. This is not your typical victory speech, but let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night.
0: He even made a dig at her dress while noting that the country will be finished if he doesn't win.
2: I find in life you can't let people get away with bullshit, okay? You can't. You just can't do that. And when I watched her in the fancy dress, that probably wasn't so fancy, come up, I said, what's she doing? We won. And she did the same thing last week, but he was much more angry about it than I was. I said, get up there and you let him know. We are going to win this. We have no choice. If we don't win, I think our country is
0: finished. Doesn't sound like that Trump that congratulated Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley after Iowa, even if he did that a bit sarcastically. No, this Trump was still angry in his victory speech, especially after Haley's defiance not to drop out. And he issued this threat.
2: And just a little note to Nikki. She's not going to win. She's not going to win. But if she did... She would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes. And I could tell you five reasons why already. Not big reasons, a little stuff that she doesn't want to talk about, but she will be under investigation within minutes. And so would Ron have been, but he decided to get out. He decided to get out. Now, Vivek, I don't think would be at all because he's perfect, right? (laughs)
0: Senator Tim Scott, who Nikki Haley appointed when she was governor to the U.S. Senate when Jim DeMint resigned in late 2012, was also on stage with Trump, standing right behind him when he made this comment.
2: Which is hard. I mean, did you ever think that she actually appointed you, Tim? And think of it, appointed and you're the senator of his state and she endorsed me. You must really hate her. No. It's, uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. Uh-oh. I just love you. No, that's... Good. That's why he's a great politician. That's why he's a great politician.
0: So let's be real here. There's no love lost between Scott and Haley. Scott says he won that seat outright after she appointed him, including his second full and final term in 2022. Now, if anything, I think Scott jumping into the 2024 race three months after Haley launched her own bid and also his listening tour at the same time as her campaign launch in February, well, that was a bit more of a trolling move than this endorsement slash audition for vice president. Now, should Scott be a running mate? Get used to a lot of these types of comments. Or he could always stay in the Senate, campaign for governor 2026 with Donald Trump in his corner, and he could pick his own replacement. But right now he's putting it all on the line, it seems like. Kind of like Mike Pence did. How did that work out for Mike Pence? Now, over in Concord, Haley hosted her watch party and in her remarks told the hundreds of folks gathered there that she wasn't going anywhere but to her home state of South Carolina and beyond. And I guess also taking up some real estate in Trump's brain, right? It's Quarapentos. <laughs> Hello. She reiterated her stance on moving forward, the same one she's been repeating to reporters and folks over and over these last few days in media scrums to the set of Fox and Friends and everywhere in between.
3: And today we got close to half of the vote. We still have a ways to go, but we keep moving up.
0: Haley called herself a fighter and scrappy and is the last one standing against Trump, who she and polls say won't be able to defeat President Joe Biden this November. Her electability message remains front and center of her march up the steep, steep Trump Hill that is South Carolina, where Trump enjoys a 31 percent lead over Haley in Republican support here.
3: With Donald Trump, Republicans have lost almost every competitive election. We lost the Senate. We lost the House. We lost the White House. We lost in 2018, we lost in 2020, and we lost in 2022. The worst kept secret in politics is how badly the Democrats want to run against Donald Trump. They know Trump is the only Republican in the country who Joe Biden can defeat. You can't fix. you can't fix the mess if you don't win an election. A Trump nomination is a Biden win and a Kamala Harris presidency.
0: She talks about running and winning statewide in South Carolina in twenty ten and twenty fourteen. But these were all pre-Trump years, okay? In 2010, she rode that Tea Party wave right through several top-anointed South Carolina politicians into the governor's mansion, which she has been reminding folks of lately. And as an incumbent, she handily defeated State Senator Vincent Shaheen in their 2014 rematch. Again, all pre-Trump years.
3: Every time I've run for office in South Carolina, I've beaten the political establishment. They're lined up against me again. That's no surprise. But South Carolina voters don't want a coronation. They want an election.
0: Along with the optimistic forward-looking message, Haley continued to lump Trump in with Biden and reiterate the chaos that will ensue if these are the options, the unpopular options, for voters to choose from in November
3: the first party to retire its 80-year-old candidate is going to be the party that wins this election and i think it should be the republicans that win this election we want you nikki with donald trump you have one bout of chaos after another this court case that controversy this tweet that senior moment You can't fix Joe Biden's chaos with Republican chaos.
0: Now, folks are confused by the fact that she's staying in with many reporters and pundits wondering why and expecting her to drop out on Tuesday night. Like we've said before, she's not going to end this within sight of South Carolina, where her haters a year ago said she won't make it through the summer, especially when Senator Scott got in the race with some $32 million. They said she wouldn't make it to Iowa or New Hampshire. You really think she's going to end it now, folks? Come on. She's got some money. she got a little bit of a balance here, but not much, obviously, like we said, with the steep hill she has to climb in South Carolina. But some say that she needs to save face and her dignity. But I think this move translates into a I did everything I could until the math didn't work out to stop him from being an unpopular rematch. So should Trump lose to Biden, she can launch into 2028 saying, I told you so, pick me. For more analysis, I caught up with Rob Godfrey, who was with Haley from the start in her 2010 gubernatorial campaign. He was her press secretary and served as deputy chief of staff for communications in the governor's office up until she left for the United Nations in early 2017. I ran into Rob catching his flight back from D.C. He was on several CNN election night panels. So while we were talking, I said, hey, how about we sit down and you repeat everything you said so I can put it on the podcast. So take a listen. Welcome to the E Terminal at Washington Reagan National Airport. Rob Godfrey's with me here. Rob, thanks for making time. Thanks for running into me ahead of our flight to Columbia to talk about what happened in New Hampshire last night. I'm excited to see you, Gavin. Thanks for having me on. Now, I know this isn't as glamorous as CNN, but uh, I think it's close enough. We have to probably be one of a few podcasts that have taped here at Reagan National.
4: I mean, it's glamorous to be with SCETV and uh, and <laughs> and your
0: podcast. So let's do it. So, Rob, that being said, uh, tell me about what we saw from the results last night. I know they're still kind of getting solidified, but it seems like it's under that 10% margin that we've been talking about for Nikki Haley. Is that enough? Where does she go with that, with that kind of margin at this point?
4: I think that she uh, turned in a number last night that was well enough into the 40s to keep not just the media and voters paying attention to the primary but also donors because you need resources to keep going. And so I don't think that there's any way to candidly and honestly assess the results last night other than to say that Nikki Haley achieved what she uh, hoped to achieve and that she will have at least some measure of momentum heading into her home state and that's all she could have asked for.
0: Rob, when we talk about that momentum, we talk about the state of this race, and some would say the inevitability of this race, what's your reaction to the folks who are surprised that she didn't drop out, like everyone was spinning around and around that she should be dropping out even though she you know raised 1.5 million dollars since sunday when ronda santis dropped out and she's got this you know slight momentum going there what, what's your sure. the reaction
4: anyone who knows nikki haley um, knows that she never had any intention of dropping out regardless of the results in new hampshire because she has been looking forward to coming home to south carolina and rekindling the efforts and the relationships that she's built there over the course of the last decade and a half. This is a state that took a chance on her twice as governor, as she's always said, and she's hoping that they'll take a chance on her one more time in this presidential race. Now, all of this is to say, if we're we're just talking about this honestly, that she still faces some strong headwinds in this race. Donald Trump is the front runner. He has won decisive victories in the eyes of some uh, in the first two nominating contests. But what's different about South Carolina? compared to the first two contests is that there's going to be more than a three quarters of a million voters who participate in the south carolina process more voters than the first two contests combined and no one has gone on to be president without first winning the south carolina republican primary so it is actually the first critical primary you know people say that iowans pick corn new hampshire (laughs) picks your pockets and South Carolina <laughs> picks presidents and there's nothing that has disabused us of that over the years. Absolutely not. So this is going to be a month to remember.
0: <laughs> and I, I do like, you know, she got such a hard time for that quip about, you know, New Hampshire's going to correct Iowa. And I want to be like, South Carolina is going to correct everybody because it always does. There's
4: no question the South Carolina primary is most important and the eyes of the world are going to turn to our state. Mm-hmm. And both candidates are gonna take out, you know, take out uh, mortgages for third and fourth homes in the state if they haven't already.
0: Yeah that's the thing too. A lot of folks are like well, she should drop out well I think I'm pretty sure the South Carolina Republican Party, a lot of television general managers and other restaurants and, and hospitality groups are excited that this is still no on question. in South Carolina.
4: No one who understands the primary is is encouraging her to drop out and no one who knows uh nikki or understands the way she thinks thinks that there's any way that you know pressure from washington dc politicians and party officials are going to change her calculus Mm -hmm. that's simply not how she's wired she's going to listen to the will of the people she's going to listen to the voters first and she's going to go from there
0: and rob a couple more questions when we look at what former President Trump said in his speech last night too, and really making it a lot about her instead of about, instead of about his victory there in New Hampshire. Was that surprising? Do you think that Nikki Haley is a part of her tactic is now just living rent free in Donald Trump's brain and that's part of the reason she's still staying in this race?
4: Well, Donald Trump's campaign strategy is going to be to give voters every reason in the world not to give Nikki Haley a second look in this race and to project an era of inevitability and to try to exert as much pressure as possible for his final opponent to drop out of the race. So it's not surprising that he's focused on her. It's not surprising that his campaign would be focused on her. And I would imagine that um, he will spend a lot of time talking about her over the next month.
0: And that's not something that she's not able to handle too. She's used to taking incoming fire all the time and if she can use that as a foil.
4: She's used to taking incoming fire. You know, there's this idea that Nikki said and that other politicians say that none of this is personal and that it's all about, you know, the campaign and policy. Well, you know, things start to get personal. Things, candidates start to get under each other's skin. But one thing about Nikki is that she remains um, incredibly disciplined and focused under pressure. And when her back's against the wall is when she, you know, fights the hardest. And so South Carolina is a place where she needs to continue to improve upon the results of the previous two races she improved upon her result in iowa as she said she was going to do and now what we need to see is what she's going to do to try to improve upon that result from new hampshire
0: yeah and she has four weeks to do that like like we've said she does Um, and that depends on again getting that money she's gonna have some fundraisers on wall street coming up so i'm sure folks are probably Somewhat encouraged by these results, enough that they'll probably keep funding her to an extent.
4: Well, you know, there was a CNBC article that said that a lot of the Wall Street moneyed folks had all but, you know, given up on the fact that uh, Trump was going to be the nominee. You know, they're not alone in that thinking. So we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have absolutely no doubt that a prodigious fundraiser like Nikki Haley will be doing everything she can to get every dollar in the door she can. And one thing she's proven among many things over the course of time is that she knows how to raise money when it counts.
0: And Rob, last question. You're not part of the campaign. You worked with her when she was in the governor's office for Correct. years. What's your take on how this has gone over the past 11 months, coming up on 12 months since she launched her campaign? How would you rate it? How do you think it's gone? Uh, regardless of the results of these primaries, how would you just rate it uh, in general?
4: As someone who's remained a an unaffiliated neutral outside observer in this primary process, I think there are a couple things that stick out. One, the Haley campaign clearly had a plan they followed, and it has borne out the results that they've talked about it bearing out. She predicted when her polls would start moving in her favor, and they did. She uh, predicted the support and the money would be there when she needed it, and she predicted that she would build on her results in Iowa and improve in New Hampshire, and she did. So there's no reason to doubt that she's going to continue to work hard and try to keep this thing going uh, in the face of, you know, like I said, strong headwinds. Mm -hmm. And um, it's going to be quite a month coming up in South Carolina.
0: Yeah. And I know she said, you know, she originally started saying, you know, I've never lost a race. Now it's kind of changed to, well, I've won twice in South Carolina. So we are still kind of moving that messaging around there still. Well,
4: I mean, look, that stuff is about managing expectations. Um, they have managed to manage expectations pretty well mm-hmm. over the course of time. It's important to continue to do that to keep both uh, voters and reporters, just like yourself,
0: engaged yeah. and believing that there's a path forward. Gotcha. That's so, Rob Godfrey. Thank you for making time at our gate here at E53 in Washington Reagan National Airport. It's always good <laughs> to run into you, Gavin. <laughs> Thanks again, Rob. Now, that's the way travel's supposed to go. On-time flights, no one in the seats next to me, exit row seating, running into a source and cutting a pod on the spot. No problems, guys. New Hampshire, thank you for redeeming the travel nightmares of Iowa. And hello, South Carolina. And since everything went so well, no need for a wind down, folks. We will be back soon. Thanks for listening to the pod, y'all. Show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a voicemail at 803-563-7169. You can stay up to date with the latest news on scetv.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org, and don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Did it sound like an airport? Did you Did you know that you're an airport? I've never used them, so I'm going to tape mine down.